This is Fresh Ed, a weekly podcast that makes complex ideas in educational research easily understood. I'm your host, Will Brem. Low-fee private schools are a hot topic in educational research. What happens when public schooling is provided by for-profit companies that charge families monthly user fees? Researchers around the world have been exploring various issues around for-profit public schooling. One company has been of particular interest. Bridge International Academies operates schools in Africa and Asia. It uses a standard curriculum that is read off of a tablet computer. This low-cost model of schooling relies on paying small wages to instructors who simply read the curriculum and fees paid by students to attend. In perhaps the most extreme case, in Liberia, the Ministry of Education is trying to outsource its entire primary education system to Bridge International. Given Bridge International's work, it's no wonder that researchers are interested in exploring what the heck is going on at the policy level and at the school level when it comes to low-fee private schools. And this is where the story gets really weird. In May of this year, Canadian researcher Curtis Reap was in Uganda researching Bridge International's work. At one of his first meetings, held at a local cafe, he was arrested for impersonation and criminal trespassing while collecting data. These charges were later proven to be baseless, and he was released and not charged. The interesting thing, however, is that Bridge International seems to have played a role in Curtis's arrest. My guest today takes us through this odd case and explores the larger issues around Bridge International. Angelo Gavrilatos is a project director at Education International, the global federation of teacher unions, and the organization that funded Curtis Reap's research. Angelo Gavrilatos, welcome to Fresh Ed. Welcome. Thank you. So Curtis Reap, uh, he's a researcher at the University of Alberta, and he was arrested for impersonation and criminal trespassing while collecting data there. Why was Curtis in Uganda? Curtis Reap is a scholar uh, uh, from the University of Alberta and during um, uh, the month of June and just prior to June he was uh, in Uganda uh, researching on behalf of Education International, the Global Union Federation of Teachers uh, and his research was focusing uh, on the operations of Bridge International Academies in that country. Curtis is a highly regarded, highly respected scholar, having conducted research into privatization of education in, in, um, uh, in Ghana, in the Philippines, and elsewhere. A highly regarded uh, young scholar. As a researcher myself, it's, it's a huge fear that I have of, of going to a country and asking sensitive questions and then getting in trouble for that. Um, can you describe how or why uh, Curtis Reap was arrested? Well, uh, I can describe to you how he was arrested. Why he was arrested, one can only speculate because clearly the allegations that were uh, made uh, by Bridge International Academy have been found to be and proven to be false and without substance. So the question with respect to why he was arrested will come back uh, to shortly. But in terms of how he was arrested, um, one morning he was meeting with uh, senior officials from Bridge International Academies in Kampala at a coffee shop 
and during their meeting um, they obviously tipped off the police um, who uh, proceeded to that venue to apprehend uh, Curtis on the basis of charges that they'd made. Uh, prior to these allegations that had been made by Bridge International Academies, uh, they had also uh, bought space in a national newspaper uh, and printed uh, what we would describe as a wanted photo um, uh, with Curtis's photo on it, um, uh, alleging um, uh, impersonation and criminal trespass, saying that he was wanted by the police. Now, this is an extremely irresponsible piece of um, uh, uh, set of actions on the part of, of this company, and one can only conclude, to come back to your first question, uh, why he was arrested, one can only conclude uh, that this company uh, is, is uh, very clear in its intent of uh, wishing to stop any scrutiny, any external scrutiny of its operations, which have come under considerable criticism um, across the, uh, by, by scholars across the globe. And I'm talking about their operations, of course, in Kenya and elsewhere. And we'll, we'll get into that, what they actually do um, in, in a second. But first, I, I'm, it's just amazing to think that the police and Bridge International have such a close relationship that they could, Bridge International could simply call on them to arrest someone that quickly. Well, I'm not going to go into the relationship uh, that may or may not exist between Bridge and the police. But what we can say is that they made certain allegations, uh, allegations which have been shown, which was, has been shown to be false without substance without substance, but that didn't stop uh, a young researcher uh, having been arrested um, and I would say terrorised and traumatised by that process um, whilst uh, uh, going about his business as a researcher. It's important to note that uh, prior to uh, um, uh, visiting any school, uh, Curtis uh, has stated that he made prior contact with the academy manager to alert them to the fact that he was visiting and where that wasn't possible he reported to the front office um, of schools uh, to announce uh, and request uh, his arrival and request uh, access uh, to the premises. To thereafter find yourself uh, su the subject of a wanted poster and to find yourself arrested um, on allegations which I repeat uh, were shown to be without substance. They were dismissed following investigation by the police and the public prosecutor to have bound yourself having been arrested uh, and to be driven uh, to a, a police station uh, having some 90 minutes from where you were arrested, having passed two or three police stations along the way, um, is quite traumatic. I think it's also important to note that upon his arrival at that police station, there were news crews, media crews, awaiting his um, arrival. Clearly, one could only, one could only expect, suspect, having been tipped off by Bridge International Academies in order to uh, try to get some mileage out of this uh, very, very ugly um, episode. Very ugly episode. It seems like it was, it was planned, right? Because the police came pretty much soon thereafter uh, he entered the cafe to, to have his meeting and, and his research meeting. The lawyer, from my understanding, the lawyer for Bridge International was sitting in the police car when he was arrested. That um, is correct. That is correct. 
And, and then, like you said, these reporters were at the police station when he arrived some 90 minutes later. Um, it just seems like there was such a high level of organization um, to target Curtis Reap. Well, uh, it makes perfect... If anyone were to conclude uh, that this was set up, uh, their conclusion would be very much within the realm of high possibility. Um, you know, these things just don't happen. Uh, the fact, as you said, that their lawyer was in the same police car um, is just outrageous. If, uh, but I'll say this, if Bridge International Academies thought that they were going to get some political mileage out of what they do, they've made a very big mistake. They have been roundly condemned by scholars, academics, researchers, every serious education commentator in the world is just um, uh, shocked and appalled by what they've done. Do you know what Curtis was um, researching specifically that, that you know, made Bridge so nervous? Well, um, R- Curtis was researching Bridge's operations in Uganda. He was looking at uh, all uh, aspects of their operation. He was also investigating why it is uh, that the uh, Ugandan authorities had stopped, had, 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 had suspended any f- uh, further expansion of Bridge's operations in Uganda. I think it's important to note that this company uh, has very little regard for uh, the nation state and uh, national laws. Um, and uh, they seek to operate in ways uh, uh, seek to operate in ways that are not entirely consistent with national requirements with respect to the provision, either looking for loopholes, seeking to exploit loopholes, or seeking to have the government uh, um, bend in terms of uh, their operations. For example, in Kenya, and this is because of their business plan is predicated upon this. In Kenya, they seek to register themselves as informal schools so that the requirements applicable to schools are not as, as stringent, the, the bar is set lower. But they are, for all intents and purposes, schools. So what they do is they operate on a basis where they don't meet requirements with respect to the employment of qualified teachers. In fact, in Kenya, they employ um, uh, high school graduates and have resisted have lobbied strongly and strenuously and persistently against the government, which has sought to impose requirements such as guaranteeing at least that half of its employees are qualified teachers. They do not follow the national curriculum. And in fact, in Kenya, the head of the curriculum authority has said that they don't recognise their curriculum. And uh, and other such, uh, they, and, and they operate, and that's and they, there are other such examples where they fail to operate consistent with guidelines. In Uganda, for example, uh, the reason why their operation has been suspended is because um, they don't uh, observe the law in terms of the employment of teachers, nor in terms of um, uh, appropriate uh, learning facilities. Again, what, I'm, what we're seeing here is a company that's operating in such a way to satisfy its business interests, employing unqualified um, or employing unqualified staff, delivering a curriculum that's not consistent with national standards and often in facilities that are not conducive to uh, school of teaching and learning and do not satisfy national standards. So Curtis was investigating all of those things um, and uh, they clearly don't want uh, uh, the spotlight put on them. Why do you think a government like Uganda would contract 
bridge international services after you articulated so many of the issues that Curtis was researching? Well, um, the, I, I'm not privy to the full history, uh, nor the terms that uh, that saw uh, uh, Bridge initially enter uh, into Uganda, uh, and I certainly await uh, Curtis's report, as no doubt you do and many um, uh, of your listeners. Uh, but uh, what we do know is that the Bridge started to operate in such a way that was inconsistent with uh, the terms that had been uh, 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 determined and hence the government suspended any further expansion um, uh, on their part, the part of bridge, subject to certain um, uh, reviews of their operations, not least of which go to questions of meeting uh, minimum standards. So um, we eagerly await to see the report and what the findings are there and we certainly hope uh, that the government maintains and maintains where it already has existing legislative requirements and where it doesn't strengthen legislative requirements to ensure uh, the social contract that exists between governments and students is not broken and by that social contract what I mean is that governments have a, a apart from a political obligation a moral obligation um, governments for good reason compel children to go to school we support that but Having compelled children to go to school, that brings with it a political and moral obligation. And given that political and moral obligation, we insist that governments ensure that when it comes to the provision of schooling, non-state actors must adhere to certain minimum requirements. Those minimum requirements which go to the questions of the employment of qualified teachers. Those minimum standards which go to the, the, the condition of ensuring that the curriculum delivered is consistent with national standards. Uh, min, uh, legislative requirements which go to the question of schooling facilities to ensure that those facilities meet minimum national standards. We would certainly hope the government um, applies those uh, standards that are already in existence um, uh, properly, enforces them, and where, where they need to be strengthened, they should be strengthened because ultimately we're talking about the well-being of children. What sort of fallout has happened since um, Curtis was arrested and then found not guilty of any of these charges? What In Uganda, what has happened? Uh, you said that a lot of people have condemned what Bridge did, has done, um, but has there been any more uh, substantial outcomes from this case? Well, I know that this matter receives considerable media attention uh, in Uganda as it did internationally. There was some very, very serious um, and, uh, uh, and large interest, media interest around the world. That media interest, both uh, internationally and domestically in Uganda, has generated some further discussions. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, that uh, the government has not altered its position with respect to uh, halting the further expansion of, Uga uh, of bridge in Uganda. We, uh, we believe that the bridge authorities have been desperately lobbying the government ever since that suspension was, um, was put in place. Uh, I'm not aware of any further developments there, uh, but certainly um, as the Global Union Federation of Teachers, Education International, uh, together with our national member organisation um, in um, Uganda, uh, UNATU as it's called, uh, we will continue to advocate strongly in the interests of students, our, our members, our teachers and education workers and the communities we serve. And we will continue to advocate that in, the, in, uh, in Uganda and elsewhere, um, governments must fulfil their primary obligation to properly and adequately fund 
quality public education free quality public education for all, to include in, in, within any legislative framework uh, guarantees that go to the questions of access and equity, uh, issues that go to the question of the respect for the profession in terms of professional judgment, uh, but also we will advocate strongly for the existence and enforcement of a strong legislative framework and minimum requirements for the provision of education. Um, surely every child surely every child, regardless of background, regardless of who they are or where they are, regardless of their wealth, surely every child's entitled to be taught by a qualified teacher delivering an engaging curriculum in a safe environment. We'll continue to advocate uh, for the achievement of such measures. Do you think if Curtis Reap was not affiliated with Education International that he would have gone through this ordeal? I don't think we'll ever know the answer to that question. Um, uh, can, and can I say this, um, when, when we learnt of what was occurring in, um, in, uh, in Uganda, in Kampala, uh, can I just say to you that we did everything within our power to make sure that Curtis was uh, dealt with appropriately, um, expeditiously, and we certainly did everything we could to get him back home uh, safe, back to his loved ones. This was an awful ordeal. This was an awful ordeal. Whether he was targeted because of his affiliation with Education International, and by way of his affiliation, um, he's an independent researcher who was commissioned by EI to do some work. Um, whether he was targeted for that reason or not, we won't know. But what I do know is that this has affected him, and I certainly hope, and we're doing everything we can to help him um, deal with what was an awful set of circumstances. And, and uh, again, I've got to say, um, the actions of Bridge, which have been shown to be uh, without foundation, uh, their actions to take wanted take print, have wanted posters or advertisements printed, to call the police, to try and to try and um, influence the, the the judicial and and, and um, uh, criminal process um, in the way that they tried to influence it by taking out a, uh, that wanted poster. Uh, this is most irresponsible and certainly not the behaviour uh, becoming of any organisation that purports to have the interest of children education at heart. I'd like to just zoom out a little bit here, um, away from this one incident of Curtis Reap being arrested um, on, on false pretenses, um, to look at Bridge International kind of globally, because you said they do work in Kenya and, and they obviously work in Uganda. Um, what other countries are they working in? Well, again, let's start off by saying who Bridge is. Uh, Bridge International Academies is a global uh, entity uh, with some very powerful backers. They're supported by uh, the large global edu business Pearson, the largest global education corporation in the world. They're supported by billionaires Zuckerberg and Gates and their foundations. They're supported by other foundations. They're supported by the World Bank. Um, and they, they've been and they're supported by the United Kingdom's Department for International Development, the Aid Wing. So they've got some very, very strong, influential backers. But ultimately, this is a company that is driven by the profit motive, a company that sets out to make profit. Uh, and we believe that when it comes to education, education, we believe, when, and the provision of education and schooling in particular, the profit motive has no place in dictating what is taught, how it's taught, 
how it's assessed, nor how our schools are organised. Because in that world, the first victims are students, their teachers and the communities we serve. Now, their business plan, when you ex examine their business plan, you know, and we don't have much time for me to go in great detail, but their business plan is predicated upon the employment of either fewer teachers, underqualified teachers, or in the main, unqualified staff paid at a fraction of the rate of a teacher. On average, around the world, plus or minus 5% or, or thereabouts, a school budget, about 70-odd percent of a school budget is teacher salary. So if you want to make profit, you basically undercut um, the provision of teachers or qualified teachers. That's their first way of making profit. They then go on to make profit through economies of scale. Their product is highly standardised. These high school graduates aren't equipped to deliver a lesson um, as would be a qualified teacher. So what they do is they, in, they have all their curriculum material downloaded onto a tablet. And these, these high school graduates read off that tablet word for word. This is a highly scripted standardised curriculum developed somewhere far away, um, which shows very little regard for cultural and linguistic diversity, let alone respect. But it's a standardised product read word for word without any deviation from it. And of course, they use facilities, facilities which um, are very simple and again, reduce um, costs for them. That's their business plan. So they operate in Kenya. In Kenya, as I said, they, uh, they use certain um, loopholes. Um, they seek exemptions. Um, um, and um, uh, object to and lobby against any government attempt to, in, to make them satisfy minimum requirements, such as the employment, initially, of 50% of their staff being qualified teachers, and then the government backed down a bit and they said 30% of your staff. Now, that's outrageous. You know, sort of every teacher employed should be a qualified teacher. Now, Bridge goes on to, so on, on to say um, that... Um, and I, I, my quote may not be verbatim, but they go on to say, and this has been, this has, this has been printed, that there is no quote-unquote correlation between teacher qualifications and student outcomes. Now, these are in, interesting statements they make, but here's my challenge to bridge their supporters and, and their most senior supporters. Would you sacrifice your child to be taught by someone that's not a qualified teacher? Um, that's the question I ask uh, of bridge. And the answer is, I bet you, no. Um, I don't think that any of their children are taught by unqualified teachers, high school graduates, um, uh, reading off a, um, a tablet, entirely scripted uh, uh, lesson. They're also operating in Uganda, as we said, there's, uh, there's, um, uh, there's a few conflicting uh, numbers in terms of how many schools they've got in, in Uganda, but we know they want to expand dramatically uh, over the next little while, but that's been thwarted. And in Liberia, the government has entered an agreement with them, uh, an MOU, uh, where, uh, where the government um, has, uh, has flagged its intentions to outsource its entire primary and pre-primary education system, a whole lot. Uh, to um, uh, a private provider and, and bridges at the forefront of, of, uh, of, of, of that. Um, also, in a document recently released, uh, a document that Bridge didn't want people to see, um, it's, uh, it was uh, an internal document being used, uh, a prospectus of, short, of sorts, 
they've indicated their desire to operate 4,000 schools in the state of Andhra Pradesh in India with uh, the government of which, uh, with, 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 uh, and they signed a MOU with the Andhra Pradesh government in September last year. So this is the kind of operation it is. It's a big operation um, driven by the profit motive, standardised education and, and not the kind of education, I dare say, as I said earlier, that they would want for their own children. I always say of policy makers, opinion makers, um, uh, let's expect and demand for everyone else's child what we wish for our own. So in, in Kenya and Uganda and, and Liberia, do, does the government pay bridge um, money to basically then hire teachers at a low cost that allows for the profit? And, and does this then mean that students that attend bridge international academies do, do they get to go for free, assuming that the governments are, are the ones paying Bridge International? So there's different, there's different models here. Um, in Kenya and Uganda, the students pay a fee. They, they, they pay fees. Those fees, Bridge tries to describe these fees and their operations as low-fee affordable schools. But when the fee represents 30 or 40 or whatever it is percent of the daily income of the poorest of the poor, there's nothing affordable about it. In fact, it's reprehensible. It's offensive. It's offensive. Um, as I said, when, when it represents 30 percent or more of the daily income of the poorest, um, there's nothing affordable about it. And when you have more than one child, um, that's when we start to see inequalities and segregation start to slip in because when you have more than one child and you, and you have to choose between children, unfortunately, the evidence shows us from, everywhere, from elsewhere in the world that invariably the boy child is privileged over the girl child. In Liberia, the operation is different. In Liberia, they want to manage the school system and they want to get a management fee from the government for managing their system. So it's a different operation as opposed to charging fees of students. Um, but again, the management system would be redirecting money that would otherwise be available for education and therefore compromising um, the education that could be provided. Let me, be, and before I go any further, let me just say, no one is saying that the education systems in these countries are perfect. In fact, there's not a country in the world where the education system is perfect. There is always room for improvement. We talk about the progressive realisation of quality education for all. But what we're seeing is a set of policies being pursued by these large global corporates, aided and abetted by governments in some places, that are putting in place a set of policies and a set of um, uh, circumstances that undermine and compromise our ongoing journey to improve uh, education for all. And ultimately, um, as per the Sustainable Development Goals uh, embraced by the international community in September last year at the United Nations, goal number four, inclusive, equitable and quality education and lifelong learning for all, and target one of goal four, which says to ensure all girls and boys access quality free, free primary and secondary education, um, what we're seeing is the undermining of that goal. Uh, even before the, the ink had, had dried. Will Education International commission more work to be done looking at Bridge International? Uh, we certainly will be commissioning a lot more work. 
uh, on the question of uh, the ongoing commercialization and privatization of education. Uh, we released a significant piece of work last week um, in India. It was launched in Hyderabad and Delhi, launched in Hyderabad on the 17th of July in Hyderabad. Uh, in Hyderabad on the 17th, in Delhi on the 21st of July. Uh, that was about the emergence of multinational uh, edu businesses uh, in Hyderabad. Um, and uh, Curtis's research is uh, in the pipeline, will be completed shortly, and no doubt you and others will be uh, uh, looking keenly to hear about when it will be released and you'll, you'll learn about it. And there's more uh, research projects in the pipeline. You'll excuse me if I don't share all of those with you and your listeners because they'll be released strategically. Um, and we are intent on maintaining that spotlight on governments and their failure to fulfil their obligation uh, to ensure the achievement of uh, uh, the sustainable development goals by allowing, encouraging, encouraging in some cases facilitating and non growing commercialization and privatization. But we're also going to put this, keep the spotlight on some large global corporations that, are, that whose behavior leaves a lot to be desired when it comes to children um, and that right, that they're right to quality free public education. Well, Angelo Gavrilatos, thank you so much for joining Fresh Ed. Absolute pleasure, thank you. Angelo Gavrilatos is a project director at Education International. Since I spoke with Angelo two weeks ago, there has been new developments in this story. Check out freshedpodcast.com to find the latest details related to Curtis Reap's arrest and Bridge International Academy's operations in Uganda. Next week, I speak with Fran Vavris and Leslie Bartlett about the comparative case study approach. Fresh Ed is brought to you by the Globalization and Education Special Interest Group of the Comparative and International Education Society. Fresh Ed contributors include Rolf Straubhar, Eric Lehman, D. Brent Edwards Jr., Chrissy Monahan, and Aaron Baxter. Original music for Fresh Ed was created by Digital Primate. Please note that opinions expressed on Fresh Ed are solely those of the host or the guest interviewed not CIES or the Globalization and Education SIG, which take no institutional positions. Please be sure to visit us at freshedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Will Brem, and I'll see you next week.